The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. And the title is actually a bit of a misnomer today because uh, we've got an interesting one in Hyperion X. ASX code is IPX, it's also NASDAQ listed. Trading at around 89 cents for an undiluted market cap of 154 million. Now I say the Explorers uh, moniker is a bit of a misnomer because Hyperion X is, of course, uh, set out to reshore the titanium metal supply chain in the US, doing it in a very interesting way with a bit of a backwards integration. So uh, a bit to uh, get through on this one, so we won't mess around and we'll jump right into it. And we have uh, Tarzo Arima, the CEO and MD with us, uh, to uh, fill us in on uh, what's been happening and what to look out for. G'day, Tarzo. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Barry. Thanks for having me again here. It's a pleasure to be on. Right. Now, uh, Tarzo, the uh, things have been moving along nicely for you in the States, but for those uh, who haven't caught the previous uh, podcast, can you just give us a bit of a snapshot on this uh, reshoring strategy of titanium metal and why specifically titanium? Yeah, absolutely. So um, titanium, the Hyperion X division was born on the back of a success we had uh, in another company we founded quite a few years back, Piedmont Lithium. And in that company, we we were looking at reshoring the lithium supply chain ahead of what we could see in 2016 was an, was, uh, an incoming demand for critical materials around the battery supply chain, specifically lithium for electric vehicles. Mm. Forward to 2020, and that's when we the vision for Hyperion X started, and it was on the back of the success of Piedmont Lithium, uh, where we took that to be over what it is today, a $1.5 billion company signed the deal with Tesla. We started looking at these other critical material supply chains in the United States, which were at risk geopolitically uh, from you know incoming demand um, and not having enough supply. And we really focused in on the titanium supply chain because the last refining titanium plant in the Western world in the United States was about to shut back in 2020, uh, subsequent to it's now shut. And we we saw geopolitical tension in the titanium supply chain. And we also saw an opportunity to create a much larger titanium supply chain if we could bring down its cost and also make it more sustainable. So Hyperion X was born with the vision of bring back the supply chain to the Western world for titanium metal, take it away from China and Russia, where it's been growing, and make it more sustainable and make it cheaper. Yeah, uh, making it cheaper is obviously a, a key factor. Um, roughly, I think titanium industry is about four billion. Aluminium, one hundred and sixty-five billion. Stainless steel, two hundred billion. Yet, uh, titanium metal, if you get it at the right price, is probably uh, better use in application than uh, either aluminium or stainless steel. But the cost has got to come down. And is this what you guys are all about? Absolutely. So the cost has definitely got to come down to push titanium metal uh, into more of the mainstream. Today, titanium metal is extensively used in aerospace, defense, medical, where cost is less of an issue. It's used in industrial mm-hmm. applications as well. 
It's used extensively in our hydrogen generation equipment, um, the electrolyzer stack, used extensively in desalination plants. But outside of where, you know, cost is less of an issue, it's used, you know, not to the degree it should be in, say, the automotive industry, in the consumer electronics industry, uh, in the bicycle industry, uh, in industries like that where the metal is superior uh, to aluminium and stainless steel, especially stainless steel, where it's more corrosion resistant and stronger, but 45% lighter. Um, but it's been kept back because of cost. So if you could bring down that cost, even just by just a little bit, half the cost to make it more competitive, um, let alone bring it down to the cost of stainless steel, you're going to have huge market opportunity. And for us as a company, we only need a slither of those huge markets in stainless steel and aluminium to be wildly successful. Right. Now, you're actually producing titanium metal powders now from uh, scrap? Yes. So the story here for us is... We start with the recycling uh, part of our business, which is driven by the process technology we secured. This is proprietary revolutionary technology uh, developed by Dr. Zach Fang out of the University of Utah, funded by the Department of Energy, which allows us to take mineral or titanium metal scrap and uh, manufacture titanium metal powders. We do that today. Uh, in the titanium metal industry, it's quite unique that not all titanium metal scrap is able to be recycled. And in today's market, you can't have a 100% recycled product in titanium metal. Scrap has always got to be blended with what they call titanium sponge, the first mm -hmm. iteration of the metal. And so you have this situation where you do not have a circular supply chain today in the titanium metal industry. You also have a supply chain which is very carbon intensive because the current process for making titanium metal is highly carbon intensive. It's twice as much as some of the other metals like aluminium, even more so than magnesium, which is a carbon intensive metal as well. So mm -hmm. what we do is we take our technology through the recycling process we create, we're able to create a fully circular process. We're doing that today. And we're able to create titanium metal with zero scope one and scope two carbon emissions, which is a huge, uh, it's a huge ad advantage over the current process, but also for the customers that we're talking to, like we have Panerai, where we sell into luxury watch goods in, in Switzerland. We have Canyon, one of the leading German bike manufacturers, uh, where we're starting. We just announced a relationship not long ago. We're able to supply them not only a more competitive product, but something that is 100% recycled and, and a product that is also low carbon. Right. So I take it then the uh, titanium powders, titanium metal that you can produce with your patented process, is that as good as what for want of a better description, virgin uh, metal, uh, titanium metal? Yeah, Barry, it's a great question. It's a question that came up a lot last year with a lot of different customers, including the Canyons and the and the Panerais of the world, um, as well in the automotive and consumer electronics supply chain. What we did is that we went through substantial testing with all our customers and the customers that we're still working with that we hope to announce soon. And that's a key question that they all ask. Is recycled titanium metal as good as virgin titanium metal and without a doubt it is as good sometimes in some cases our titanium metal we make powders we then make those powders into parts in some cases we make we can make some replacement parts or parts that are even better than the parts that they're getting from industry today so absolutely 100 you we can make titanium metal that is equivalent or better than what the industry produces today from recycled content Right, so the two companies you mentioned there, the watch company and the bicycle company, both 
high end, obviously, in their industries. So is this the first sign that um, you'll be able to uh, secure customers for your product, I guess? It's confirmation that the what you're doing is very saleable? Absolutely. So uh, it's confirmation that what we're doing is saleable, that what we're doing is important for industries, especially industries that touch the consumer. Um, let's focus on maybe the luxury watch sector. You have Panerai, which is owned by the Richemont Group. Richemont owns Cartier, Van Cleef, uh, RWC, some major watch brands and luxury uh, uh, jewelry brands. Um, you know, it has to be a high level of quality to be able to sell mm. into these uh, into these markets. You, although it's not life threatening, if a watch breaks, uh, you know, the luxury good industry cannot have parts that break. Uh, so we went through a, a pretty intense qualification process with them. Uh, those watches are, are coming on sale this year as we speak. Um, but if you look at that vertical, consume luxury watches. All we're doing is we're manufacturing a housing. Um, so the the bezel and, and the housing of, of the watch, the case of the watch, if it's good enough for something that's going to sell for $40,000 a piece, it's definitely good enough for something that sells for $1,000 a piece. Uh, mm. And where I get to there is it's if the housing is good enough for the luxury market, that's the top of the vertical of what is housings, which is like your smartwatch housing, your smartphone housing, your laptop housing. If we can... At the top of the pyramid is luxury goods. And then if it's good enough for that, it rolls into all these other industries um, that have similar sort of housings, which also want to use titanium metal. And that is a huge market in consumer electronics. On mm. the Canyon side, on the bicycle side, we're actually looking at, um, you know, that's a massive market, growing market. Micromobility is a huge market, e-scooters, electric bikes, things like that. Just luxury bicycles is like 5 million units a year globally. So it's it's a huge, huge market. Canyon is one of the leaders in that market. And we're actually going to be supplying into them. They have no titanium metal use today. They have carbon fiber and aluminum. They would love to have titanium metal, as as is as, as you can see from the announcement with us. And so that's a, that's a beachhead into what is another separate vertical that is enormous as well. So absolutely, investors should take this as the beachheads into these huge markets where we're already developing relationships with starting to sell product, but could evolve into much larger, much uh, much more higher value products and, and into thousands of tons in the future of titanium metal. Mm. Now, you touched on the uh, it being a very environmentally friendly process, so no scope one, scope two sort of emissions. What is it about the technology that uh, allows that to be achieved? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, if you look at the current refining for titanium metal, uh, titanium metal's um, benefit is that it's corrosion resistant because it forms a skin or a layer of titanium dioxide, which is impervious to corrosion. You want it on the outside of the metal. You don't want it on the inside of the metal. Now, when you look at titanium minerals, essentially it's a oxide mineral, so it's titanium dioxide. If you look at scrap titanium metal, which is scrap produced in mainly in the titanium metal industry, the scrap produced is machine scrap, so right. uh, scrap produced in the manufacturing of a product. That machining scrap has got a lot of surface areas, picked up too much oxygen. So the traditional process for refining titanium minerals was to essentially, um, they couldn't break those titanium oxygen bonds. That's why it's so corrosion resistant. 
uh, just in a simple reduction process, like you, like a blast furnace, for instance. Mm-hmm. So they had to go through a very chemical and carbo, a carbothermic chlorination process. So a very chemically intensive, carbon intensive, energy intensive process, where they would crack the bonds, they would create a lot of carbon dioxide, they would add coke into it, creating a lot of carbon dioxide, and then add a lot of chlorine in there to create titanium tetrachloride. And then from titanium tetrachloride, you could go through multiple high energy steps to create titanium sponge, titanium sponge, create titanium ingot in a big 10 ton melt and then extrude into different, what they call mill products. Very carbon intensive, energy intensive, multi-step expensive process. Mm. So what the difference is here uh, is that uh, Dr. Zach Fung found that those titanium oxygen bonds, you could slightly destabilize them. I like to call the historic process a brute force process. And I like to call Dr. Fung's process a scalpel. Applying a scalpel to these bonds, destabilizing those titanium oxygen bonds, and then what with hydrogen. So that's that's the core science that wasn't known before. So 2016, you found that these bonds were destabilized with hydrogen. And then you could do a simple reduction process with, say, magnesium. So all of a sudden, you never need any carbon in the process, scope one, scope two. You can, it's done at relatively low temperatures. So you can just use uh, electric furnaces, a lot less power. And so you have zero scope two emissions, zero scope one emissions, and it's a complete revolution to the supply chain. So you also have a significant reduction in cost. So mm. it's environmentally sustainable, but also financially sustainable because it's lower cost. Okay. Now, you, as I mentioned, you're producing titanium metal powders from uh, scrap at a small-scale industrial facility in Utah, but you're uh, looking to scale up at a demonstration plant in Virginia. What's, uh, what's happening on that front? Yeah, that's, uh, it's probably a misnomer, the demonstration plant. I like to call it a demonstration of commercial scale. So it's, it is, we really will be our first commercial mm-hmm. facility. This, this is expected to get us into being cash flow positive uh, next year. So we, uh, we have designed out uh, what is a quite a large facility. We're going to have some updated numbers for the market fairly soon. But we've designed what is a 125 ton per annum facility for making titanium metal um, that's going to be located in Virginia. We did a national site selection process last year and Governor Yunkin, the governor of Virginia, uh, really secured us to come to, this, to, to his state. Uh, and so we're going to set up in a existing 50,000 square foot building. Uh, it's being upfitted by the county and the state as we speak. And we expect to be commissioning this facility towards the end of this year. Now, next year we'll be up and running, um, but we're going to be coming out with some numbers as to how big we can go in that facility. The 125 tons per annum is that first demonstration of scale, but we can we have room and we have the ability to quickly scale in that facility. And probably over the next few weeks, we'll come out with those numbers as to how big we can go uh, and create a major um, titanium metal uh, production in Virginia. And then even from there, we can continue to scale. This would be a major facility and it will be all off recycled titanium metal. Um, so it'll be a huge, it will be the first commercial facility of its kind in the world. Now, I'm sure some listeners are thinking, oh, here we go, billions of dollars, but that's not the case with this process. No, not at all. That's That's one thing I do like about it as well, Barry, is that Scaling this technology is not a billion dollars like you see with some of the more, you know, mm-hmm. some of the battery technologies that you need. This is a $20 million build, uh, <laughs> of which 
$4.5 million is being put in by the government. And then there's a big chunk of it that is equipment. You know, we're a $150 million Australian company. So this is something that, you know, is, is, is definitely doable. And then from there, it is modular and scalable. So it can be scaled up. And I don't think, look, in the future, we could, we could build a massive facility if we want in one hit. But I think what we like about this technology is that we can show to the world that we can revolutionize the titanium supply chain without needing a billion dollars to, to get there. Yeah, okay. Now, I mentioned earlier this sort of a backwards integration model because uh, you, of course, own the uh, Titan project, the uh, Titanium uh, Minerals project in uh, West Tennessee, biggest in uh, the US, uh, obviously a source of titanium minerals for you f further down the track, but also uh, some rare earths and... Um, some other things there. I'm just wondering, where does developing the Titan project fit into your long-term planning? Yeah, it's a great question. So, so Titan strategically in my mind and in the mind of our company, it is uh, strategically extremely important for us in the future. Whether it's three or five years out, at some point, as we want to continue growth, we'll, we'll recycle all the scrap that is available. And it will continue to recycle scrap in the future. But if we want to continue to grow, at some point, we need the minerals. Uh, mm. We estimate that we could probably get to 10,000 tonnes of titanium metal scrap recycling, you know, in the next, say, three to five years. And that's a, that's a significant that's a significant business in and of itself, considering that, you know, even if we bring titanium metal prices down to like $100 a kilo or $70 a kilo, you're getting close to a billion dollars of sales just in that. But, um, you know, we can go a lot we can go more and if we're getting if we're going to ten thousand tons and we've proved the technology over the next three to five years we're going to be going to a hundred thousand tons and at that point you need the minerals we could take minerals in the open market but what i'm afraid of having come from the mining sector is that at some point you know you're going to be at the at the uh you're going to be beholden to the mineral supplies so knowing what we know we 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 started building the Titan project, started putting together the pieces of the Titan project. Excellent source of titanium minerals, but also an excellent source of zircon and the rare earth minerals as well in North America. So long-term strategically, we want to backward integrate it. What we're doing today is we're taking it through the permitting process um, in the state of Tennessee to get it ready, uh, knowing that these sort of things can take some time. And what we want to do, we're quietly confident. Uh, we've been guiding the market towards the end of this year for permit completion. We're quietly confident that we could get a lot sooner than that. And then once we have got those permits in place, we can complete free fees and feasibility level test work. We've completed feasibility level metallurgical test work and we'll be coming out with the results of that pretty soon to market. Uh, and then we've got a project there, which at any point in time, we can press the button, the 12 to 18 month lead time to build these projects as you, as you know, Barry, at any point in time, we can go, okay, you know, we're 12, 18, 24 months out from needing titanium minerals into our uh, metals process, we can press the button and, and go ahead. I, I just want to be in that strong position. Now, ahead of that, these minerals are in short supply today. Rutul ilmenite for the paint and pigment industry is in short supply today. Zircon is in short supply today. And of course, the rare earth minerals are in short supply today and, and a rare earth minerals in North America are high, uh, in high demand today. So getting this project permitted, getting it ready also has strategic value in the short term for us because we could potentially bring in a partner that might want those other minerals, you know, and, and we can continue to have access to 
the titanium minerals for our future growth, but we can have, um, we can potentially extract value by bringing in a joint venture partner or doing a sell down a portion of the, uh, a portion of the asset we can sell down and, and, and create some value that way as well. So I think there's definitely long-term strategic value there for backwind integration, but there is also some, you know, significant short-term value there by, with the other minerals that are in the ground in Tennessee. Mm. Yeah, it's curious. I mentioned at the start the undiluted market cap of 154 mil. You released a scoping study last year into Titan, and uh, I think the MPV uh, was US almost 700 million, 40% IRR. So if you looked at the market cap, you could justify it on Titan, yet you've got this um, uh, well disruption business in titan- uh, titanium metal. So an interesting mix. So, but I can see why you would be focusing on the titanium uh, metal side of the business in the long run, given that highly strategic. And it's if you can get that uh, cost down a bit and the consumption uh, picking up in areas that haven't traditionally used titanium metal, it's uh, well, it's the sky's the limit. Just on that point, are there some uh, new fast emerging? Uh, industries that, and I'm thinking of some of these uh, things like the hydrogen industry, um, apparently is a big user of titanium metal. So EVs, obviously. Uh, any others or are they the main ones you see at the moment? I guess defence is uh, very much in the news nowadays. Um, yeah, defence defense is always going to be a big one for us just because we're going to be a Western world supplier of defence. We won the US Air Force Research labs challenge um, where we're recycling titanium for the US Air Force uh, research labs part of their business and eventually the remainder of the US Air Force we're doing a lot with US Navy so defense is a big part of the business but there's going to be huge commercial markets for titanium metal as you bring the cost down hydrogen we see hydrogen needing a lot of titanium metal into the 2030s 2040s 2050s Um, you know we're talking that you know, tens of thousands of tons um, going from relatively small today. And that's in today's market, that's, you know, 30, 40% of the market already of titanium metal. So huge growth there. Uh, EVs could be, and, and the automotive industry just for lightweighting could be a, an enormous opportunity, um, absolutely enormous. But another high growth market, which is fairly straightforward to go after is consumer electronics. Um, mm. Housings in uh, consumer electronics is is although individually um, it's relatively low titanium use, it's just scale. You have tens of millions to hundreds of millions of units out there and yearly. Uh, And this is a huge industry that touches the consumer where all the companies in the industry want to achieve their sustainability goals, their recyclability goals. And titanium as a metal is better anyway. It would dent less, it wouldn't break, you would, uh, it wouldn't twist, bend. Um, you can imagine for a, for a smartphone or a, or a smartwatch or, or a laptop, it's just gonna be a far superior metal for the products that you sell. And if we can have something which is equivalent cost to say a stainless steel or aluminum, which is used in, in these industries extensively today, there's a little bit of titanium use in the premium products, if you can uh, introduce titanium there today, you're talking tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of tons of titanium metal just there as well. Mm. And you'll be standing there waiting for them to be uh, changed over to the new model and uh, you'll be recycling. 
Uh, absolutely. That's another thing that these take anywhere where there's like a take back program, a consumer return program into into these products. Even in the bicycle industry, there's a there's yeah. a return program with some of these groups. We can take that. We can recycle it infinitely. So that's a huge, huge opportunity there. Okay, Tyza, a fascinating story. But let's give investors a quick feel for what they should be looking out for in the months ahead. Absolutely. So. We're right at the edge of greatness is what we like to say. Our chairman likes to say that. I, I love that sort of <laughs> saying. We are we are very close with a few of our large customers. Um, so over this year, we want to secure some of our few uh, large customers that we've been working with over the last uh, 12 months. Uh, and we see that as a big tick in the box, big value driving catalysts that are going to come really soon. Uh, in addition to that, the just the naturally the scale up of our plant and proving out the technology at the commercial scale is a huge tick in the box. In our mind, we've already proven it out. We've done hot test runs of our new equipment uh, with the vendors already where the actual magic happens, where the science happens. We've already done some hot test runs and we'll be updating the market there. But uh, just turning the plant on is without a doubt going to put all the skepticism to bed. And that's going to happen in the next 12 months. We're going to build out the TDF. We're going to turn it on. We're going to commission it and start running. So that's yeah. a natural tick in the box mm. in just scaling the business. Uh, and then I also see val a lot of value catalysts in the Titan business, especially around permitting. You can imagine, Barry, as you've probably seen, a lot of projects get hung up in the Western world especially in North America on permitting. If we can mm. have the Titan project permitted this year or really soon, that's a big value added catalyst as well. Although it's not the primary part of our business, it's the backward integration part of the story. It's still very important. As you noted, it has a very high MPV um, that justifies the significant multiples of our micro cap already. So having that project permitted um, not only uh, drives forward the strategic rationale of the business and the options for uh, for strategic partners in the Titan project, but it also should be a value value driving catalyst in investors' minds as well. Right. So there we go, folks. Fascinating story, one to watch. Uh, kicking goals as it goes along, and uh, a big year ahead. So Tazo, thanks for your time today, and I hope to speak again soon. Absolutely, really appreciate it, Barry. Great to be on again. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you.